Good evening. I am delighted to be with you tonight, and I'm so very thankful for the invitation and the opportunity to come. I've already enjoyed uh, some time with uh, David and Kelly that we appreciate very much, and, and uh, it's always great to come and visit with the Midway Church, and uh, I've been to weddings here in this building. I've uh, uh, spoken here before, and so I'm just so happy to come and be a part of your uh, summer series tonight. Thank you again for having me. Let me get uh, things kind of located here. I'm guessing that the big button is going to do us good. Okay. All right. Uh, and it vibrates when I push that button. That's good. This vibrates when you push that button. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, I, I like your uh, theme this uh, summer. Uh, practical wisdom. Uh, boy, wisdom is so greatly lacking, and uh, especially practical wisdom, putting it into practice. So I, I want to begin by sharing a little practical wisdom with you tonight. So here are a few things. Don't sweat the petty things, and don't pet the sweaty things. <laughs> I doubt, therefore, I might be. Number three, procrastination is the art of keeping up with yesterday. Men are from earth. Women are from earth. Deal with it. If you try to fail and succeed, which have you done? The tongue weighs practically nothing, but so few people can hold it. Misery doesn't love company. Misery doesn't love anything. And finally, it's true that you can't take it with you, but you ought to remember that how you got it may determine where you go. Just a little practical wisdom to begin with tonight. I'm sure that you've heard already this summer, I'm number 10, I think. Uh, I looked at the schedule there uh, as I came in. And so I know that you've already heard some great lessons from God's word about practical wisdom. Perhaps you've uh, had lessons from James, the book of James, such a practical book, a Sermon on the Mount in practice, just a great book, and I wanted to go there. Then uh, I couldn't get my mind off the book of Proverbs, which is certainly a, a book of wisdom and uh, practical wisdom at that. So after a lot of thought, I decided that what I would do is share a lesson from Drew Kaiser's book, Wisdom's Call. It's a study of Proverbs. And uh, full, full disclosure, as David said, Drew is our oldest son. And uh, the chapter I have adapted for tonight is entitled Wisdom's Call. Now, David tells me you've had this book or you have this book and perhaps you've studied it in uh, Bible class. And if so, if you've done that, you're probably going to recall some of the things that I'll be saying to you tonight because Actually, the lesson that I have for you comes from uh, chapter 3 in that book, and there's the title, Wisdom's Call. Um, we're in the book of Proverbs because wisdom is our concern. Solomon speaks of wisdom as if it were a person. Open your Bibles, if you will, please, to Proverbs chapter 8. We're going to read our text here in just a few minutes. Personification, very interesting tool, very interesting uh, figure of speech or a way to use speech. Personification is a, a literary tool that's very often used in the Bible. Many of God's writers uh, use that tool. Isaiah is one. 
He wrote in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 12, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Well, mountains don't literally sing. They have no voices. They have no mouths and trees do not literally clap their hands. They have no hands to clap. But the prophet was just describing the, the joy that accompanies a sinner who repents, but he was personifying the mountains and trees in order to do so. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom takes on the form of a beautiful woman. Let's read together the first 11 verses of Proverbs chapter 8 where the inspired writer Solomon does that, speaks of wisdom as if it were a beautiful woman, making it desirable. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. Here's what she says. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Wisdom calls. But what does wisdom say? And who will listen to her? Who will listen to her cries and how may we answer? Well, that's what we're looking at tonight as we start with these 11 verses here in Proverbs chapter 8 under the title, Wisdom's Call. Several things about that we wish to examine tonight. First of all, the sound of wisdom's call. You know, every call has a distinctive sound. When Paul was writing about the proper use of tongues in the first century, he used the sounds of instruments to illustrate. Now here's how he did that in 2 Corinthians, or rather 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinctive notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So calls have distinctive sounds. And you know, uh, we're familiar with buglers uh, because we watch enough westerns on TV. We've seen the cavalry come and we hear that bugler. I, it always amazed me how that bugler could play such beautiful uh, uh, sounds while riding that horse like that. And, but each one of those calls uh, means something to the cavalry. But if it was just a bunch of gibberish and if it wasn't distinct, they wouldn't know what to do. And so Paul makes a very good point. Every call has a distinctive sound. It has a distinctive meaning. So what does the call of wisdom sound like? Solomon tells us 
in the text that we just read because he tells us it is loud and noticeable. She raises her voice, he says in verse one. She, she cries aloud, he says in verse three. She can't be missed. She is on the high places by the way, verse two. She can be seen and heard from miles away. She's on the high places so that she can be seen from miles away. She takes her stand at the crossroads. In this place, this place is, is busy with buzzing traffic. There she goes because she knows there she will be heard amid the, the blowing stream of people. We have uh, uh, down at the, at the corner of uh, Walmart, uh, in, uh, close by where I live over in Florence, there is uh, uh, on that busy corner there by that traffic light, there is every day a young woman there with a guitar and a sign that says, I'm homeless. You can't miss her. She's at the crossroads. She is where all the cars leaving Walmart. And you know how many of that uh, they are. And she, she can't be missed. That's why she's there playing that guitar with that sign. Wisdom says that's where I am so you can see me. You know, the, the scribes, the Pharisees in, in the, the time of Jesus, they knew about that. They knew where to go to be seen. And so Jesus said about them in Matthew chapter six and verse five that they would stand at the street corners that they may be seen by others. That's why they went there, to be seen by others. So wisdom is there. Verse three of the text that we read, wisdom is beside the gates in the front of the town. The gates or the portals of a city were very busy areas. In most cities, the gateway was the most frequented place in town. So that was a, a natural place for public announcements. So there we find wisdom. Unfortunately, as in the case of the street corners, the Pharisees and the scribes had also discovered the value of this location. And so they loved to go there, Jesus said. They loved to go in their long robes to be greeted with titles of respect. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. So wisdom's call is loud and noticeable. Anything we can learn from that? What can we learn from wisdom's loud, noticeable cry? Well, we know that she, know, she uh, shows no partiality. She calls to everyone. She wants everyone to hear. She calls for everyone to listen. She's not picking and choosing. This is for everyone, no partiality. There's no sign that she, wisdom, wants to hide the truth from anyone. She has nothing to hide. The truth should be known by everyone. And so it's made available to everyone. So wisdom calls to all, and all those who love her can possess her. That's the most important thing to remember. Those who love wisdom, those who want wisdom, can have wisdom, possess her. What does it sound like? What does wisdom's call sound like? Well, 
Solomon says, secondly, it is clear. Just like Paul said about the instruments, if the notes are not distinct, no one knows what is played. Look at verse seven of the verses we read a few minutes ago. Again, wisdom says, I love those who love me, or 17, I'm sorry. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. They will find me. Even though she imparts knowledge, she doesn't use long, hard to understand words to get that knowledge across. Her message is clear. She doesn't speak with a thick accent that is difficult to follow. We have a young, well, he's not a young man anymore. Uh, we have a man with us at uh, Salem who's from Russia. Uh, I've known him uh, ever since he was a young man. He was 18. I, I, I met him when he was fresh out of high school, and he went to a preacher training school in Sickniff Car, Russia. Have you been to Sickniff Car, David? Uh, Drew and I would go to uh, Sickniff Car every year for 10 years and teach in the preacher training school over there. We'd be over there for a month, and, and he'd teach a course, 45 hours of classroom instruction. I'd teach a course. And uh, so this man was one of my students fresh out of high school. And uh, after he graduated from school of preaching, I recruited him to go to preach for a congregation we supported. And, and uh, he preached there 20 years. And uh, he's now with us. And, and uh, he's uh, just finished his master's degree. He's now working on his uh, doctorate degree. And uh, super great guy. Speaks English very, very well. But he's got this thick accent. And uh, so people have difficulty hearing him because they're just not used to hearing that uh, accent. Now, you know, if they visited with him, uh, talked to him very long, like, like I have, you know, I, I don't have any trouble understanding him because I've heard him so much. But you would have a lot of difficulty. Wisdom not like that. It's not that hard to get. It's not that hard to hear. And, and Solomon's making that very clear here. Her message is clear. Her goal is understood. If you want it, her goal is understood. You know, the Lord told Habakkuk, in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. So he may run who reads it. Even if you're so busy, even if you're in such a hurry, even if you're running by and you see this message, you'll understand it. God said, make it that clear. And wisdom is that clear. Jesus made a promise related to this aspect of wisdom's call. In, and and it's a, you're familiar with this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Ask, it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks to him it will be open. God doesn't hide the truth from us. And, and we who are familiar with the Bible, we sometimes, uh, you know, we, we wonder why people have, so, have difficulty understanding God's Word. But that's because we're familiar with it. We have searched it out. We have followed it through. And we have seen that it makes sense. 
and perhaps they've had help to misunderstand it. Their eyes have been darkened by some false teaching or some misunderstanding of others. But God is not hiding anything from us. He wants us to find it. Somebody said, you know, why, why tell the story of the life of Christ in four different accounts? Why not just put them chronologically in his life, his deeds, his teaching, just in one account? Why put it in four different accounts? Well, there are a lot of reasons for that, but doesn't it make the life of Christ interesting? Doesn't it make it a valuable study to search his life out through those four different accounts from those four different inspired writers? You see, God wants us to be interested. He wants us to to find the truth. He wants us to search. And that's why he gave us the Bible. And everyone who searches it out, everyone who studies it, will know exactly what to do. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4, and I love this, uh, what Paul said here. Because so many people find the Bible to be a mystery. You know, has anybody ever told you, I don't read the Bible, I don't study the Bible because I can't understand it anyway? Paul said, when you read what I write, you'll perceive my mystery. When you read what I write, you'll understand just like I do. The only thing we have to do to have the same understanding about the gospel, about God, about Christ, about the church, about the gospel, about salvation, the only thing we have to do to understand that is read what Paul wrote. That's what he said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4. In fact, God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, as Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. Well, what does wisdom's call sound like? It is pleasant and good. It sounds good. Verses 6 and 7 of, of uh, Proverbs chapter 8. Hear. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Do you appreciate the ability to listen? Do you appreciate the ability to hear? Wisdom said, just listen to me. Hear my voice. For great bless, you know, it's a blessing to be able. I just about completely lost my hearing. I was deaf in my left ear for nearly thirty years, and I would just hear out of my right ear only. That's why I'd have trouble hearing, detecting where the noise was coming from because everything came into my right ear. So if somebody on my left would speak to me, I'd look this way. That, <laughs> and then I started losing my hearing in my right ear got down to where I just couldn't hear my right ear. So I went to see a doctor of audiology. He gave me some tests. He said, Andy, if you go to Memphis and see a surgeon and have some surgery on that left ear, I think we can get some hearing in that, and we can make you hear in stereo again, put some hearing aids on you. I have implants. I have hearing aids way up in my ear canal next to my eardrum that he has to put in there. The batteries last for four months. Take them out, throw them away, put some new ones in. It's awesome. I have normal hearing. And when those batteries go dead, I cannot stand it. I can't stand it. 
I've got to get to that doctor right now. What's wrong with you? I can't hear. And I just, I just hate not being able to listen, not being able to hear. What a blessing it is. I hope you appreciate that. So wisdom says, listen, hear. In verses 8 and 9, she says, All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They're all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Wisdom's call is harmonious to the ears of the hearers, the righteous. Her words sing in perfect harmony to their lives. Oh, how pleasant, how beautiful are the words of wisdom. But then, what does it sound like? It's harsh. Those loud cries. Now, that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? To, to one point say, well, wisdom, the sound of the call is pleasant and good. Oh, but it's harsh. Sounds like a contradiction. But the problem is in the ears of the hearer. That's where the problem is. Those who pick and choose their own way and continue to walk in the path of darkness, unrepentant and ignorant, will not like what they hear from wisdom. For my mouth, verse 7, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred to evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate, says wisdom. So it's, it's important for us to recognize the sound of wisdom's call because there are so many voices shouting at us trying to get our attention. So we have to be careful not to be fooled by cheap imitations. The book of Proverbs warns us, warns us, about another woman. This one's called folly. Over in uh, chapter 9, the very next chapter, Solomon writes about this. Again, personification of foolishness, calling her folly, verses 13 through 18 of chapter 9. She also is loud. She too sits on the highest places of the town. She also wants to be heard, but she has nothing profitable to say. In fact, nothing awaits her guests but death. Verse 18, her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Well, secondly, the range of wisdom's call. Now, we've already found that wisdom is impartial, calling to everyone, and that becomes even more evident when you look specifically at the kinds of people she calls. For example, look at verse 5. She calls the simple ones and the fools. Verse 5 says, has her saying, Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. These are basically people who are lacking in wisdom. Biblically speaking, wisdom is much more than just intelligence, although an understanding of facts is included. Wisdom also involves a mentality that seeks God's approval. 
It, it, it is the first step toward wisdom to want to know and please God. John Cackleman Jr. wrote, quote, this involves distinguishing which choice is bad and which is good. Utilizing common sense solutions, being prudent, and remember that life and death will result in our final choice. This decision-making process is not optional. It is required, and to vo avoid it is to incite divine anger, end of quote. In the uh, Hebrew parallelism of our text, the simple ones and the fools are one and the same. Solomon is, is describing those who are lacking in spiritual discretion. Wisdom calls those who lack her insight, saying, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. This is chapter 9, verses 4 through 6. Whoever is simple, calling the simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, leave your simple ways and live, walk in the way of insight. So she calls, whom does she call? She calls simple ones or fools. Whom does she call? The righteous. She sings to the righteous. She speaks noble things and from her mouth comes what is right. Chapter eight and verse six. Verse eight, all of the words of my mouth are righteous, she says. Whom else does she call? She calls both the young and the old. To you, O men, looking at verse four, to you, O men, those who are older, I call, and my cries to the children of men, to the young, the youth are called by wisdom. There's no one whom she does not call. The range of wisdom's call is limitless. Well, what are the terms of wisdom's call? The terms on which God will work with people is often marked introduced even by the word if. If, just I, if. For example, John wrote in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, John used the conjunction if to explain the terms of God's forgiveness of our sins, making, making it conditional. Before God will forgive someone, that person has to confess his sins. And Jesus gave us another condition of forgiveness in the same way, using the same conjunction in the Sermon on the Mount again. In Matthew chapter six, in verse 14, he said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I need forgiveness. Well, there are some conditions that I have to meet before I'll get it from God. I have to confess my sins and forgive those who sin against me. There are at least two conditions clearly stated by inspiration with the word if. Well, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon does the same thing. He's talking about wisdom and, and the same language is used to denote the terms that must be met before the rewards of wisdom will come. There are three times he does that in our text. 
Well, no, we need to go to chapter two for that. But in Proverbs chapter two, verses one through four, he, do, he does that three times. Verse one, if you receive my words. Receive, now that, that's an important term because it, it means more than simply catching something as if somebody threw a ball at you, you know, and you, you catch it. it. It means more than that. It refers to an active search for wisdom. To receive, I've got to be looking for it. I've got to be searching for it. It, it requires some effort. And, and this act of receiving is also described in three ways here in this same chapter, in chapter two. Look at verse one. Treasure up my commandments with you. Now, if I'm receiving, I'm going to, if I'm actually receiving in the way uh, inspiration wants me to here, I'm going to be searching for wisdom as if it is a valuable treasure and put it in my treasure chest. And I find it in the commandments of God and I'm going to keep them in my treasures. I'm going to value them highly. Verse two, make your ear attentive to wisdom. You know, I, husbands and wives probably can appreciate the challenge here sometimes. There are some things that are being said in the house I just don't want to listen to. I'm not listening. Uh, I'm just not listening. And you may not say that when you actually do it. Well, you're not going to be wise if you don't listen. And so you've got to make your ear attentive to it. And then and that same verse says, incline your heart to understanding. Lean in that direction of understanding. Not away from it. Incline your heart toward that understanding. Lean to it. Now all of that is a part of this receiving of wisdom. It's something I must actively search out and go for. That's the if. And also, going back to chapter 2 of Proverbs, verse 3, the writer says again, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So in describing what it means to receive wisdom, the writer used the ears and the heart. Now he brings up the voice. He says, raise your voice for understanding. You cannot pursue wisdom in secret. You must call out. You must make your quest known. That may invite some criticism. It may even bring some per persecution. But the rewards are worth the risks. Nothing is more important. Trust me. Nothing is more important than heavenly insight. Now this is, a, this is a lesson from a book of wisdom, Proverbs, for our young people. Young people who are afraid to let others know of their faith. God is not pleased with so-called servants who are reluctant to let their light shine. God wants you out in front, letting that light shine, letting it be known. I live for Christ. He lives for me. I live for him. Christianity is a public religion that must be lived in public before others. What did the Lord mean when he said, 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify whom? Your Father who is in heaven. Seeing your good works, they will glorify God. That's why God wants you to let your light shine. Let others see your good works. And the third, if, again there's that condition, if you seek it, wisdom, like silver, and search for it as for hidden treasures, we read that wisdom says, those who seek me diligently will find me. She must be sought with the diligence of a pirate looking for buried treasure or like a, a panhandler digging for gold. Got to want it that much to work that hard for it, to go for it. And then once these terms have been met, wisdom is sure to come to those who seek it. The assurance is indicated by the word then. If you're looking at Proverbs chapter 2, look at verse 5. After those three ifs, if you receive my words, yes, if you call out for it, yes, if you seek it, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will. What does it take to be wise? Well, we've just seen what it takes to be wise. Finally, the response to the call Wisdom is calling, and we should listen. So let's close this lesson with the responses to the call of the lady of Proverbs we call wisdom. We may ignore it. We may ignore the call. And when wisdom is ignored, the result is calamity, terror, distress, and anguish. Now our text is in chapter 8, but wisdom, wisdom's call is also discussed in chapter 1 near the very beginning of the book. Go, go back to that. Look at verses 24 through 32. Wisdom says in verse 24, because I have called and you have refused to listen, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound nice. <laughs> you know, if you're not searching for me, if you're not looking for me, if you're not listening to me, if you don't want wisdom, then when calamity comes on you, if you ignore me and when the bad stuff comes, I'll just laugh at you. Hey, you had your chance. I offered. I'll just mock you. You want to ignore wisdom? You will do so at your own peril. Look at what happens. See, wisdom, wisdom provides security. Wisdom provides for a long, healthy, good, wonderful life. Chapter 1 and verse 33 says, Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I like that. That's what I want. I want to be free of dread of disaster. I want to live at ease. For whoever finds me, says verse 35 of chapter 8, going back to our text, whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Well, so don't ignore it. What? What can we do? We can answer it. Answer the call. And when, when one answers wisdom's call, a lot of good things happen. One is you make your parents glad. 
You make your parents glad. And I'm a parent of four sons like David told you. And I'm telling you, when they do good things and they act wisely, I'm glad. When they act like fools, I don't know. You know I'm not so happy about that. Hey, and they've done both through the years. Our oldest is 47. Our youngest are 41. We have twins who are 41 years old. Thankfully, they don't act like twins anymore. They act like good brothers who love each other. But man, when they were little, I'm telling you, a wise son makes his daddy glad. Solomon said that. He, He liked that saying. He wrote it several times. He wrote it in chapter 10. He wrote it in chapter 15. And he said in chapter 23, he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. He just kept on going back to that. Spiritual understanding is better than great wealth. So another thing that we can do in response is we can take it. Take that wisdom. Verses 10 and 11. Take my instruction instead of silver. Take my knowledge rather than choice gold because wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. Those who are wise inherit honor and riches that this world cannot offer. Verses 18 and 19, again of our text, chapter 8. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. Look at verse 21. Granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. An inheritance is given to those who love me. I'll fill their treasuries. Wisdom says, wisdom's ways rather. Wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. Chapter 3 and verse 17. Another thing that we can do is follow it. And now, O sons, chapter 8 still, verses 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Blessed are those who follow me. Follow my ways, keep my ways. Verse 34, blessed is the one who listens to me. Now these responses we've just quickly discussed. Recognition of need. I recognize that I need wisdom. I know that. I need to be wiser than I am. And listening, searching and finding, answering, taking, following. These responses produce wealth. And that wealth that comes from these responses should serve as incentives for you to search for divine wisdom and insight. So Solomon exclaimed in chapter 23 and verse 23 of Proverbs, buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Wisdom calls. Will you respond? How will you respond? Your destiny, your life, your happiness depend on the answer to that question. How will you respond to wisdom's call?